0: the Spot Track podcast talking sports contracts the salary cap and business of sports welcome to another edition of the Spot Track podcast my name is Mike Chenetti it is monday january 22nd nfl divisional round has completed that is certainly going to be the focus today probably in reverse order as i'm coming off the on the heels of this bills loss here in orchard park we'll run through most of the four teams that were eliminated this weekend and uh, I will pick up the pieces with the teams that are advancing midweek with some discussions about who can still uh, find some bang for buck in the championship series, who may actually have a few bonuses and incentives to win that game. And then, of course, some Super Bowl odds, et cetera, et cetera. But this is more about the teams that have now hit the offseason, starting with the Bills in dramatic fashion, <laughs> as, as they tend to do now lately. The Mahomes v. Allen matchup still swings in Patrick's direction thanks to another wide right kick in Buffalo, which doesn't need to be restated. Off the top, I've already tweeted it this morning. I know it's going to be a hot topic here in Buffalo and probably to all the media heads sitting in in a chair right now in front of a microphone. Tyler Bass fully guaranteed in 2024 at 3.3 million dollars. The dead cap hit, way too insurmountable in terms of cash and cap to do anything about that. It's more likely that his contract is converted to a signing bonus than he's released this offseason. So there's going to be some recency bias there, and rightfully so. There's a 99% chance he's the kicker of the Bills in 2024. Let's just get that off the top here. Uh, the Bills have plenty of work to do. Plenty. I-, I noted that in the AFC East piece that has been posted for a few weeks now. I, re- I referenced that on the Twitter and and threads uh, threads this morning, notable free agents all over the board, especially on the defensive side of the ball, a defense that was decimated by injuries right through the season, you know, from week one all the way through. And uh, it doesn't get any easier for Brandon Bean and company. Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Linval Jonas, Puna Ford, Leonard Ford, Leonard Floyd, AJ Epineza, Tyrell Dodson, who took a huge step forward this year. Dane Jackson, Taylor App, Micah Hyde, all starters in the secondary, notable free agents, and, of course, Gabriel Davis, the wide receiver who was hurt down the stretch that Buffalo certainly could have used last night against the Chiefs secondary that was actually beat up, lost the safety about a minute and a half into that game, and Buffalo really couldn't capitalize on those injuries to the linebacking and secondary cores yesterday. So big-time starting pieces set to hit free agency, and there's... Not a lot of cap room right now, right? They're going to have to do some work just to get the work going. Negative 43 on the books in terms of top 51 cap space, according to our numbers, as we head toward February. There's no real tag candidates out of anybody I said there, uh, at least in my opinion. I guess there's an outside chance that one of the defensive linemen, but I don't think anybody's worth near top of the market, especially Gabe Davis. Uh, He's a third-tier wide receiver on our books right now, and I don't think anybody's going to pay up in in free agency to bring him in at any kind of higher price. There's a little bit of everything here. I mentioned the free agents. You're certainly going to see cap conversions up and down to get themselves compliant. But a lot of, I think, what's going to happen with Buffalo is a few notable releases and a few really nice extensions. Not the sexy extensions that are going to drive a ton of traffic to you know, the media heads, but left tackle Deion Dawkins had the best season of his entire career. And he was excellent yesterday. Yeah, Josh Allen was not touched either Was Patrick Mahomes, but that's a different conversation. Uh, Dawkins deserves a new contract. He is heading towards a contract season here in 2024, set to make about $10 million cash. He's worth a hell of a lot more than that. His first contract here, his sophomore extension came in at 14 and a half million per year. We've got left tackles making $25 million a year right now. So we know where this is going to end up. I don't have him as a top-of-the-market guy. He's about an $18 million valuation in our system. But if his agent walks into Brandon Bean and says, we need at least $20 million per year, I don't think anybody's going to gawk at that right now because the season he had, the importance he has to Josh Allen, the relationship he has with Josh Allen, all that considered, uh, this guy needs to be here for at least four more seasons. And if that costs Terry Pegula $20 million a year, I don't think anybody can really uh, you know, brush too many things away from that. So that's priority number one. He's got a $16.6 million cap hit for 2024. If you extend him with a decent-sized signing bonus, you can certainly lower that significantly. Um, I'd say the same thing for Taron Johnson, the cornerback who got out of the concussion protocol just in time to play yesterday, was certainly a factor in limiting Patrick Mahomes' passing game. He's entering a contract year set to make about $7.5 million next year. Pretty good coin for a, a player who's made $8 million over the past couple of seasons. He had a big year, a really big year. He was uber important. It's kind of a Tyron Matthew type role. A little bit of a hybrid everything, a linebacker, cornerback, safety, the works. Played almost 90% of the snaps for the Bills this season and uh, filled up the stat board. This is a player that can command some serious money on the open market. So Buffalo really needs to tread lightly. He's not yet 28 years old. You've got Micah Hyde up for a free agency, Jordan Poyer's on a on a basically one-year incentive-based deal here heading into 2024, and they're in their early 30s. So you know where this is headed. It's going to be a situation where Taron Johnson's going to have to fill an even bigger role next year because Tredavious White is going to get released out of this contract. There's just too much injury history associated with him. He's got two years, $23 million left the Bills can't do anything about that. They got to get out of this thing, take on the dead cap hit, free up some cap space there, and then fill his spot either via the draft or internally, which they've had to do all year anyway. So uh, I see big extensions for Deanne Dawkins and Taron Johnson in Buffalo's future, both for football reasons and for 2024 salary cap reasons. I mentioned the Tredavious bubble. Uh, there's a few more. DeMar Hamlin, uh, can free up a million dollars. He was obviously a a very secondary piece to their puzzle. Special teams, basically only. Uh, you, you probably need the million dollars there, even though that's a really nice, obviously, story comeback story of the year, most likely. There's some offensive linemen who are not worth their contracts, but have played well enough and consistently enough that they're not on the real bubble. Their their contracts are on the bubble, but Connor McGovern and Mitch Morris aren't going anywhere next year. I can almost put that in cement for you. Uh, this line held up well for Josh Allen in 2023, and I would not want to mess up a good thing there. Naheem Hines, obviously the preseason injury on the jet ski derailed his 2023. Outside of some kind of injury fight, you know, for for injury guarantees that I don't have available, but could be written into the contract that I haven't seen. Buffalo can, f- can free up almost 5 million of cap space by moving on. So, like I said, outside of some semantics, I don't know about that's an absolute slam dunk way to to clear cap for Buffalo, and I put the same on Deontay Hardy right now, who certainly had his moment in this postseason with the big time punt return, but wasn't able to fill a wide receiver role like they needed him to down the stretch, and uh, the Bills can certainly free up over four million by moving on from Hardy. So just Hardy and Hines alone is going to open up over ten million. You can free up probably another six to seven with Tre'Davious White's contract. But then we get to some some really uh, big-time players here. I've mentioned it before. I've treaded it lightly with it. There's been absolutely no conversation, no traction, no substance to Von Miller's off-field in, uh, incident here. He has denied it now publicly. I don't know that there's an ongoing investigation. The NFL is going to wait for anything to come from Texas itself, right, the the the, gov- or the police investigation itself before they do any kind of work on their own. That's just how they operate. They are reactive, not proactive. And uh, I think for the most part, rightfully so. And the reason I go down that rabbit hole is the only way that Buffalo has an, an easy out with Von Miller is if the NFL suspends him and his 10 million plus guarantee for 24, 2024 becomes non-guaranteed. Otherwise... We get into some pretty messy stuff because this is a 30, almost 35 year old player. Seriously, he is two months away from 35 years old. He paid, he played 24% of the snaps for Buffalo this year and accrued three tackles, not sacks, three tackles (laughs) for the bills. All right. Um, So this is an absolute nobody. Uh, He did not recover from this injury. He was not a factor. He was forgotten in every game he played in and he started most of them. All right. I was there for a chunk. I watched all 18 of these suckers. He was a non-factor at any point in time this season. And the stats certainly backed that up. 10.71 million of his contract next year, fully guaranteed. Leading to 32.5 million of dead cap for the bills. Not great numbers for a player. You absolutely do not want on your roster next year for a, a, probably a variety of reasons, none of which are, he's probably a hell of a locker room guy. They don't need that anymore. Okay. They got their secondary for, got, for that. They got some linebackers who just stepped into gigantic roles that can handle that. This is a problem. Um, so much so that I took the to work this morning, the time this morning to put in some work on his contract to figure out just how this could go for the bills, because taking on that hit, I don't think it's something they can operate with right now. I just don't, you know. And and furthermore, and I said this in a, in a couple of podcasts ago. Don't do they want to just wait this thing out? Right? They obviously know more about this than we do. You know, the front office of the Bills have done their due diligence on whatever has happened with his domestic uh, incident. They know where this stands. So, if they believe that there's a world where more action is taken and then eventually gets put in front of the NFL for a discussion about a suspension. They're not going to do anything with this. They're going to wait. I'm not going to say they're hoping he gets suspended, but I guess there's a world, right? Where there's an evil, uh, evil Brandon Bean standing over top this whole situation saying, please, 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 because we need to get out of this contract. And that's a, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not promoting what Von Miller has been accused of doing but from a, con- from a contractual standpoint, not having to pay $10.7 million to somebody is generally better than having to pay them that. And that is what's on the line here. Okay. Let's just assume that no further action is taken and Von Miller is just a high-priced 35-year-old player entering March 13th when this league, league year hits. Where do we go from here? They can take the whole thing on and just outright cut them. Thirty-two and a half million dead cap. Ten point seven million of that is a cash payment to him, with offsets. So if he goes and signs somewhere for the league minimum, they'll take a million dollars off that. All right? That's that's what the easy solution is to getting rid of Von Miller as quickly as possible without having to go, jump through many hoops. That's what it takes. Thirty-two and a half dead cap. Ten point seven cash, which could become nine point seven cash if somebody else signs up for the full year. So you're losing almost 9 million of cap space by doing that. Not ideal. Okay. Is he tradable? I don't think so. All right. I just gave you the stats. And I don't think too many people out there, I think, think a 35 year old can resurrect himself from terrible injuries and father time. So I don't believe he's tradable. So the next step is this. There's a world where they can post June 1st release him, of course, right? And right now that move would free up about 6.7 million. But I won't free that up until June 2nd, as you know very well, right? The full $23.7 million cap, hit has to stay on the books until June 1st, after which they can process the trade, split the dead cap up and go from there. So here's how I'm going to play this. And I've I think I've only done this one other time in 16 years of operating NFL contracts for Spotrac. but this situation is so dire and the bills are still in this Super Bowl window, I think, right? At least AFC contention window, that they just don't have time to screw around with this contract. They just don't. It's not tradable. It's really not immediately releasable without some work. So here's what I'm what I'm offering up. You take that 10.7 million that's guaranteed to him, and by the way, another six and a half guarantees March 17th. So they're on the button here, all right? They're on the clock with this contract. You take that 10, 10.7 million and you make it a signing bonus and you hand it to him right now, and say, "Sorry, it didn't work out better for everybody." All yeah, right, here's 44 million dollars for a hundred snaps. <laughs> you know whatever you've given us over the past. 2 years essentially. But it is 44 million is what I'm offering up 45 million. Take that 107, make it a signing bonus, spread out the cap over 5 seasons. Then then designate him a post-June 1st release. All right? So instead of it being 32 and a half up front and instead of carrying a gigantic 27 or 23 million dollar cap hit until June 1st, I've now converted 10.7 million of that, the guaranteed portion, into a signing bonus. Spread it out over five years. And then in return, okay, in return for that gesture, handing him cash to a player that didn't do much for him, the Bills this year, he's going to agree to lower the rest of his base salary down to one point two 1.21 million, the league minimum. Okay. Which in turn lowers his total cap hit for 2024 down to 9.9 million, okay? So now we've gone from 23.7 to 9.9, which has already freed up 13.8 million of cap space. Then in, then they designate him a June, post-June 1st release, and on June 2nd, everything everything gets moved down from there, all right? It's still gigantic numbers. All right, it's still a huge hit. It's going to be 8.5 million of dead cap in 2024 and 23.9 million of dead cap in 2025. You've got a salary cap that's rising. You're still in your all in now w- window if you're the bills. So, in my opinion, you do as little damage in 2024 as possible. All right, yep, you just paid this guy $10.7 million to go away you're probably going to do it anyway. There's re- the only way out of that like I said is the suspension. And like I said, they know more than we do about that. We know very little and we know what we know doesn't seem like it's trending toward that direction. Again, not trying to be insensitive to the situation. I'm just reading this from a contractual standpoint. So, this is how I would operate if I'm Brandon Bean. I would hand him that cash. I would split this up into a 5-year signing bonus for cap purposes. I'd process him as a June 1st release. I would negotiate his base salary, his non-guaranteed base salary down to 1.2 million, the league minimum, which lowers his cap at under 10 million until June. And then 8.5 dead cap this year, 23.9 in 2025, which stinks, but we're going to have to live with it. All right? We're going to have to live with it. There's a world where they just say, screw all that too. And they take on the 32.5 and eat the 9 million cap. There's a world where that happens okay i don't like it that way but i understand people want to rip band-aids off and not having to deal with things over two years but if you're talking about the 2024 cap space i believe this is the best approach for the bills and vaughn miller a couple other things josh allen's got a gigantic cap hit finally his contract extension really kind of kicks in this past couple seasons he's going to make 30 million cash on a 47 million dollar cap hit but you can free up over 22 million of that with a full cap conversion of the roster bonus and the base salary. I expect that to happen. There's absolutely no reason not to with Josh Allen this year. So just doing that alone cuts your, your cap hell in half, right? They're 43 over. You can free up almost 23 with a full conversion for Josh Allen. So you toss that in with releasing Tredavious White, waving Demar Hamlin. Hanlon, um, and certainly extending Deion Dawkins at the very least, those three things. And you can get yourself into a decent, a decent landing spot heading towards March 13th. There's plenty more to do. All right. I would process a conversion on Mitch Morse. I would process a conversion on Dawson Knox, a player who's, who might be on the bubble here, but I'm giving him one more year and I'm going to, I'm going to drop that cap hit for 2024 purposes. I've also got Rajul Douglas as an extension candidate. I think I think the Bills kind of hit gold on that trade. Now he got hurt down the stretch and they needed a little more from him. He's entering a walk year. It's, it's a one for nine. He's 30 years old. So you don't, you don't want to do too much here with this player, but you can lower that 9 million either with a cap conversion or maybe with a one year extension, right? Fully guarantee him in 2025 and 2024. Keep him on the books. You need help at the cornerback position anyway. Right. And this guy's shown he's a nice fit inside the model so i could lower his cap pit and keep him around for 2025 as well that makes a little bit of sense to me but again that's a that's a football operations decision more than anything and uh and outside of that it's it's how creative can you get in replacing some of these bodies all right they don't have you know the the price for getting into the divisional round is your draft stock is not great you know they're, they're not acquiring draft picks They're not doing that kind of thing. If anything, they're giving them up to bring in players to the deadline. They've done that the past two years now. They project to have the number 28 overall pick, you know, and there's holes across this board, defensive line, linebacker, cornerback, safety, wide receiver, the works. So we'll see where this goes. Seems like the offensive line's in really good shape. Seems like they've got a couple of defensive linemen. Ed Oliver had a career year after getting that big contract. Can kind of shut my mouth up a little bit. Um, But outside of that, there's plenty of work to do. So it's a team to watch, certainly coming off the heels of that ridiculous loss to the Chiefs, but also for their cap hell, for what they need to replace, and of course, the Von Miller situation. The only thing I didn't mention here, and I should, I guess, at least run through the numbers for it, is Stefan Diggs, who, boy, he really faltered down the stretch. There's no other way to look at it. I'm I'm awaiting some sort of offseason surgery on the foot or the ankle or something. Um, He was taking plays off constantly. Certainly was not the number one option for Josh Allen at all the past, I don't know, at least a month, maybe six weeks or so. And certainly not even yesterday in that Chiefs game. And you can say, yeah, he was being taken out by Snead and McDuffie and, and great players every week that was happening. That's great. But he's getting paid number one money to separate from those kind of guys. So I'm assuming there's an injury involved here. I don't think he's disgruntled. I don't think we're going to get to the point now where he's going to demand a trade to the Cowboys this offseason. So I don't want to jump on that rumor bandwagon at all. I will tell you this. um, He is non-guaranteed right now. 2024 doesn't lock in until St. Patrick's Day. There's a ton of dead cap. I mean, there's over $31 million of dead cap. So it's not a situation where trading or releasing him does any good for you early on this offseason. So the contract right now it says nothing about getting rid of him. All right, we're a year away from that at least, and I think that's right. He's, you know, on his way to 31 years old for the 2024 season. He's getting to that point. I don't think he's disgruntled. I do think he's injured. I don't think Josh Allen wants to lose Stefan Diggs. Do I believe they want to draft his replacement or acquire his replacement at some point in time? And start that player off as a 1B underneath digs in 2024 100%. And there's nothing wrong with that, all right? Everybody needs to do that in the league, okay? Everybody. So, I do think they will eventually do something to move on from him after 2024 possibly, but not during 2024, right? He is he will be contractually locked in on March 17th. There will be no decisions made before that. The contract just doesn't allow for it, nor do the the, the landscape of the Bills offense. So while he was a bit of a disappointment at times, the contract still says Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen lived together in 2024. And then it's a we'll see situation. Okay. Moving on to, uh, let's, let's pull the grab bag out. I focused a lot on Baker Mayfield already. He certainly bolstered his resume again yesterday with 350 yards, a couple of Unfortunate interceptions, of course. Um, but the Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield situation seems like something that Tampa Bay needs to pay a boatload of money to keep around. I don't know if that's in they're in a situation to do that. Like I said, they're a weird team. I feel like this was going to be the, the offseason where they broke it all down. And then they and then that this division just isn't improving. It's just not. you can say Atlanta's gonna get better with Bill Belichick, but until I know what, what quarterback is is joining that crew. This Tampa Bay situation is the best in the division. Now it's all up for grabs. Okay. Uh, Baker may be a transition or franchise tag candidate. I've noted that a few times on socials and in articles. And by the way, all this off season discussion stuff available online at spotter.com. I've got a division piece for each NFL division already up containing notable free agents, roster bubble candidates, and a dozen ways the team can clear cap space. So this Conversation I'm having with the Bills and the Bucks and the Packers and all these teams today, they're all kind of bullet noted out. On Spytrack.com. just search for your division and uh, you will see my thoughts on a ton of contracts and what can be done and release candidates and extension candidates and what those values could be and as much in-depth off-season noting as I could do for every single team in the league. That's all live on SpyTrack.com. So Buccaneers-wise, I mentioned Mayfield. I mentioned Evans. I'm not even done, all right? In my opinion, to keep this thing rolling, you've got to make four gigantic contracts this March. Baker, so maybe you slap a tag on him for for timing purposes. Great, but that's $32 million. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Mike Evans, and I realize that age factor. And maybe it kind of looked like he was declining down there. He's not 31 yet. So I'm not super scared about him. And statistically, he just had one of his best seasons ever. 80 catches, over 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns. I don't know what you want. Okay. So it's working with Baker. He's still an elite WR1. I, I still think he's a 20 plus million dollar player on the market. You know, 22, 23 market value right now. So the numbers say so. I think some teams will be a little bit scared off by the age, but I I just don't know what what you're looking at if you're scared off by this player right now for a two-year guarantee, right? Which is really all it's going to be, even if it's a five-year contract. So let's say the Bucks look around the division and say, we just have to do this. All right. We have to spend a boatload of money and continue to try to win this division because it's good for everybody. Baker, let's say tag Mike Evans. Let's say four for 88, right? 44 million fully guaranteed two years. Tristan Wirfs moved from right tackle to left tackle. He got better. <laughs> okay. So we talked about Deion Dawkins and what left tackles cost. Now Tristan Wirfs is going to have to become probably the highest paid offensive lineman in the history of football. Okay. Up there with the Andrew Thomas contract up there with the Tunzel contract. He's that good. Cause he's now shown you can put him pretty much anywhere and he's going to be the best player on the field at any point in time, right? He's got Trent Williams type mantra happening. Where when he's off, when he's, when he misses a play, the whole freaking offense looks like things gone went to the garbage can. All right. That's what's happening here. Andrew Thomas just went five for one eighteen with the New York Giants, 67 million fully guaranteed at signing. All right. That's 23 and a half a year. This is where it's is where it's going. You know, Tristan Rose is I think he calculates from a mathematical standpoint to almost 27 million a year. That alone, by, by millions, makes him the highest paid lineman in the history of football. So that's three. And then you got Antoine Winfield Jr., who is arguably the best safety in football. He's 25 years old. The pedigree is there. He does everything. Here's his regular season stats. Six sacks. He's a safety. Six sacks, 122 tackles, six forced fumbles, and three interceptions. You can't lose that guy. All right? You probably want to franchise tag Winfield Jr. All right? And that's why I've been hammering for a Baker Mayfield contract extension. All right, this is the guy you have to keep, and this is the guy that you don't want to have to overpay for right now. In my opinion, he's phenomenal. All right, he's the leader of this defense. There is not a world where he walks into any room, negotiation-wise, and says, I, "I'm the t- I'm the best of everything." Right? <laughs> I get the most guarantees. I get the highest average salary. I get the longest whatever whatever he wants. Right? Derwin James at 19.1 is the current leader in the clubhouse from an average salary standpoint. Derwin James at 42 million. He's the leader in the clubhouse with safety guarantees. That's the starting point for a Winfield junior contract. So you've got Baker, who's certainly not going to be a top of the market quarterback, right? Tier three. I'm not even sure he has to get the 20 million a year. I really don't. You know, I know there's a world where the Jared Goffs and the Baker Mayfields are $45 million players. They are, but could you fully guarantee, uh, three year contract or a two-year contract that looks like Daniel Jones a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. I, I've been saying out loud that Goff and Baker Mayfield are, are in the four for 160 market. Uh, nothing to do with guarantees, but that's just the going rate for a starting quarterback. You know, Derek Carr. Derek Carr got 37.5 million or 80 million for two years. This is where we're going here. So I would sign, I would extend Baker Mayfield. I would extend Tristan Wirfs. I would extend Mike Evans before his contract voids so that I can not take on that huge dead cap pit and then have to pay him afterwards. And I would franchise Tag Winfield Jr. and give myself at least a little bit of time to work on the safety stuff because the safety stuff isn't going to bounce around too much. You know where it's going to stand. Nobody else is going this high, all right? Nobody else is really going to to have to deal with Antoine Winfield, right? There's no back and forth. There's no yin and yang. The Baker situation, if, if I'm Tampa Bay, I get something done before Jared Goff and Jordan Love even hit the negotiating room. You know what I mean? Because that's when things get interesting. You don't want those contracts on the book to, for Baker to be able to use as, as fuel. So that's one get it done, get it on the books, keep him. He has done more than enough to earn two more years on your roster. More than enough. All right. It can be the Geno Smith, it can be the Daniel Jones, it can be the Derek Carr. Get it on the books. Tristan Wirfs, that can probably wait. Again, nobody's competing with him, right? Nobody. There is no other version of him this offseason where if that contract hits, now Wirfs' contract becomes... No, he's already above everybody else by a mile. So you tell him, hey, you're going to get your money. It's going to be unbelievable. We just got to figure out some pieces in March and then we'll get to you over the summer. Don't worry about it. Okay, he's not a pending free agent. I'm franchise tagging Winfield and I'm holding off with on his contract with Werfs. And I'm getting Mike Evans done before March, before the middle of March when that contract voids. Because I, I realize he's older and there are probably cheaper, better, younger ways to do this via the draft, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just not screwing up something that's working because I can win this division with this essential core that I'm laying out here. So I'm not even close to, to done with this roster. It's similar to Buffalo where there are massive, massive pieces everywhere, right? Levante David had another massive season. He's older. He's on an expiring contract with a ton of dead cap from void years. Uh, Tampa Bay has become a void year savant since the Brady, the Brady era, right? Everything had to get pushed back to make sure that Brady and Gronk and those players could fit on a yearly basis. So you've got orange void years from spot track all over this roster right now. Uh, and that includes Winfield Jr. Levante David and a couple of defensive linemen and a couple of offensive linemen. Mike Evans has 13 million of dead cap if, he's, if he voids. Baker Mayfield has dead cap if he voids. So like I said, there are reasons to get players done earlier than later. I would start with Baker. I would start with Mike Evans. And I would tell everybody else, give us a minute. We're going to get there. Please don't get offended, right? We can cap convert Vita Vea. We can do some things to free up cap space because, you know, they have 48 right now. But I've just given you five players that are going to suck that up in about a minute and a half. So super fun team. Not a team I would have expected to be going all in, but I don't know how they don't. They just played in the divisional round, right? They have a clear path to win this division again if they can keep this thing intact. And it's just going to cost them, you know, a couple hundred million guaranteed to do it. But This is the NFL. Right, they operate in billions, not millions. So, if I can win a division and get and have fans showing up in January to watch my team play, I'm making all my money back anyway. All right, and that's how they have to be operating here. They are a winning franchise right now. Continue to pay to keep that winning happening. For the Green Bay Packers. Speaking of, my goodness, is this team ever going to fall down on their face? Doesn't seem like it. Not in my lifetime. The Jordan Love era is here. It looks good. I don't know that I can look this good, you know, consistently. There seems like next year could be a bit of a fallback. It's just logical. It's how it's how it kind of happens with most of these younger quarterbacks. And I know this is what year six for him now. <laughs> so he's not exactly a rookie, but he is right. This is his second season playing as a full starting quarterback. That's what 2024 represents. His incentives bumped him up to 20, excuse me, $11 million for 2024. I've said it out loud. I'll say it again. He will not be playing on $11 million next year. He is a massive, massive candidate for a long-term extension. Just mathematically, based on what he did in 2023, he's a $45 million player. All right? So without even trying too hard, it's four for 180 tacked on to that $11 million. That's where Track's money says it should be. They have never had a problem going top of the market for a quarterback in Green Bay. Now, Aaron Rodgers earned that right. To some degree, have earned that right, even though the numbers were a hell of a lot smaller back then. I'm not sure Jordan Love is a top of the market quarterback just yet. So <clears throat> the conversation then turns to just how long of an extension does is he looking for, right? He just turned 25 years old. He doesn't want to play an 11 million. I, I, can, I think I can speak for him with that. But if he's not going to get if he's not going to be a fifty five million dollar quarterback which is the top of the market right now but he might be that in two years right he could be if things go well with roster construction and et cetera et cetera how long do you want to lock yourself into forty five million if that's where it's going to be your forty million it's an interesting conversation you don't want to get stuck and pigeonholed into a situation where you become more value for a team even though you're still making pretty good coin obviously so we'll see i I believe there's a world where he accepts a three-year extension. So a four-year total contract in the range of, I guess, 150 total four for 150 total. That probably sounds about right for his, which is essentially the Derek Carr contract, by the way. But I've said it again, Green Bay generally doesn't screw around with quarterback contracts. So, don't be surprised if Jordan Love goes from nine million to fifty million in a matter of weeks. Don't be surprised because if they know what they have, they can finagle the cap to work in their favor. They know there's cap coming off the books. Look, this team looks scary right now, right? Eight million of cap uh, of top fifty-one cap space on our books right now. It looks awful, but quite frankly, uh, David Bakhtiari is coming off the books. Uh, he just can't stay healthy. They they certainly were able to operate without him this year. His release alone frees up over 20 million of cap space. So that's an excellent starting point. Just an excellent starting point right there for a player that they've already essentially replaced on the roster. And then it's just boatloads of cap conversions. What do you do with Aaron Jones is an interesting conversation. He was a red hot bubble player for me entering December. But man, did he come through down the stretch as he has for this team. When he's healthy, he is productive as hell. He's approaching 30. He just turned 29. He will be 30 during the 2024 NFL season. We're way past red flag age for a running back right there. But this guy's a bit of a hybrid, right? He has been for his whole career. He certainly outplayed A.J. Dillon, who had every right in the world to take the reins this year and couldn't do it. He's going to walk into free agency. So they're gonna be left kind of bare. The cupboard's gonna be bare for running backs. It doesn't make sense to move on from Aaron Jones right now, in my opinion. So you're doing one of two things because he's got a $17.5 million cap it. You're either extending him, maybe giving him the Joe Mixon treatment, where you take his 12 million cash and you guarantee three, you know, 7.5 million of it, but you make it a two for 12. You know what I mean? That's what they did with Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. I really like that process. It keeps veterans under contract. There's a higher guarantee than they had walking into the situation. And if he's still playing like this through 2024, he's at least on the books in 2025 for this team, which is a good thing for a running back. You want to be on the books. You want to give the team a reason to say, well, if we just convert his base salary, we can keep him. That's what you want. If you're a pending free agent, you're walking, right? (laughs) That's just how it's happening right now. Getting an extension for a pending free agent as a running back is almost impossible right now. It's the white white whale out there. So um, I like that he's on the books. They could certainly just convert his $11 million salary, use some void years that as they've done in the past, and and lower that cap hit significantly. I think a Joe Mixon type extension where you, you make one year two should work for everybody, even though this guy's playing, I think, arguably at a higher clip right now than Joe Mixon. But it's a similar situation in my opinion. So. He's sticking and some to some degree, he's gonna stick. Whether it's a conversion or extension remains to be seen. Um, I think the same goes for Kenny Clark, their big defensive tackle. He's got a $27 million cap hit for 2024. You could convert his, his contract year and just keep him on the books for one more year and then see where you are in 2025, or you can you can bump him out like three for fifty, right? And lower the cap hit that way, keep him on the books and understand what you have going from there. So Some of these defensive players are going to walk, unfortunately. Um, You know, the Preston Smiths of the world, some of those linebackers could get moved down for just because you're not going to be able to keep everybody, nor should you. You should get younger and cheaper in some regards. But I think for the most part, this is going to be a run-it-back team. And it's going to be one of those teams that everybody's looking at in July and August as, all right, look what they did last year in year one of Jordan Love. What's going to be next? And I would just say this out loud now, buyer beware. (laughs) All right. There's gonna be some setback. There always is. But if they hit and these wide receivers continue to grow up together, right? The Dobbs and the and the Wicks and the and the Watsons of the world, they have what could be just a phenomenally explosive team across the board. So there'll be some a little bit of damage this year. To me, this is more about preserving some cap, extending the quarterback, and bolstering that offensive line with Bakhtiari officially being moved on from in the 2024 off season. And finally, Houston, the easiest team. (laughs) All right. I, I was able to sum this up in one tweet, one pretty simplistic tweet, which is the Houston Texans just overachieved. And now they walk into an off season with $75 million of top 51 cap space, a quarterback who cannot be extended for two more seasons, at least, right? Year three, after year three on a rookie deal and a strong draft pick because of the Deshaun Watson trade. And that's where they are right now. They're going to have the number 23 pick. It's not the worst pick out there. Not for a team that was you know, a, a minute or, or, or so away from at least hanging with, with Baltimore for, I don't know, two-thirds of that game. They certainly lost to the better team. There's no question about that, but... This is a bright future team, no question about it. Is CJ Stroud going to have that Jordan Love setback in year two? Yeah, I I always build those in. There's no question about that. But this kid did so much in year one um, that a repeating this is ridiculous would be ridiculous. But you, at least you know this is the ceiling exists. So it's it's just a matter of managing expectations, managing the roster, and understanding what fits CJ Stroud the best. And I think that starts with Dalton Schultz, right? I mean, my goodness, just a total comeback year for him. He's a pending free agent, as is Noah Brown, as is Devin Singletary. All players who factored in, all players who had some injuries. You know, they have the operations to do two-year guarantees now. This is not a team that has been doing this. I've been kind of at the front of this for the past couple of seasons now. Nick Casario has come in and said, we're not signing anybody to a multi-year contract unless we know they are part of the core, right? And basically, that's Laramie Tunzel, right? <laughs> Where they've given two contracts to in, in his time in Houston already. And rightfully so. He's one of the best left tackles in all of football. Everybody else has just kind of been operating on one-year deals, and they use some void years and all that fun stuff, right? They don't have to do that anymore. They're in the big boy conversation now. So some of these players that belong long-term, like a Jonathan Greenard, like maybe a Dalton Schultz. I don't think they'll bring back that running back core. It's probably likely they go out and either sign a big free agent or draft somebody new because that's just the going rate these days. Steven Nelson could get a two-year guarantee. They had some players who really stepped up in a big way that they can start to think about, all right, if we're in a window here, we got to be a little bit smarter about how we handle some of these contracts. So to me, that's the only change they have to make operationally. Everything else has been done properly. All right, they established an offensive line. They brought in some veteran defensive linemen to kind of shore up that trench. They hit hit some veteran secondary pieces, I think a little better than they thought they were going to hit them this year. They're going to have to do some work there to either keep players around Stingley or draft well again. And then it's about bringing CJ some better weapons. You know, Nico Collins is a guy. There's some injury history with him. You got to be careful with. I don't know about Robert Woods. Right, you can keep them as the veteran in in that weapon house. You can upgrade them. I think there's going to be a strong outpour of of, of uh, attention for players like T. Higgins to join this. Mike Evans, if he walks to join this group, I understand that. I certainly understand that. You know, Gabe Davis might be a fit with C.J. Stroud in this group. The tight end market's going to be bare. So I am, I'm getting ahead of that. Like I said, with Dalton Schultz. I'm understanding the relationship is working. He's got almost four year, four million of voided dead caps sitting on that contract right now. I'm going to extend him before that hits, put him into a comfortable two-year guarantee, and just keep that relationship together. The tight end quarterback relationship has become maybe as important as it's ever been in this league, especially for young quarterbacks. So I'm not screwing around too much with that. And then I'm freeing up more cap space because if I'm not going to use it this year, I'm going to roll it into 2025 when I really may have an established understanding of what the core is, what our core needs are, all right? To me, they're a year ahead of where they were supposed to be because it was supposed to take CJ Stroud a minute and a half to figure some shit out, and it didn't, all right? So they know what they have, and that is such a phenomenal place for a front office to be in, you know, eight months after drafting a guy. So I guess the only thing I would say is I would pour caution on, trying to do everything right now. I know you have the draft capital. I know you have the cap capital, but don't stop yourself from freeing up more cap space, even if you're not going to use it. Give yourself the opportunity right now to make all the decisions you need to make this year. Make decisions at the trade deadline, right? You can do this everywhere. And then if it's there in 2025, next March, you have afforded yourself the cap space to go and do it then. So you know, Laramie Tunzel, Titus Howard, Shaq Mason, Malik Collins, easy cap conversions, simple ones. And you do all that, you're freeing up another $30 million really without trying and really without doing too much to your dead cap situation. So like I said, a couple of savvy extensions to establish some more core here, make a decision on some wide receivers, Noah Brown, Robert Woods, shore up the offensive line even more, and, uh, and probably go big on the secondary this offseason. That's probably where Houston's heading. Uh the Will Anderson stuff's gonna be cap controlled for a while here. You can th- you can bookend him with a veteran, you know, like you did with Derek Barnett this year. Or you can go out there and uh and, and make and look for a second round pick to go with him for the next four years in terms of rookie control. The options are endless. This is a really fun situation for Houston to be in. And it's funny how trading Deshaun Watson really amplified this thing, man. I mean it really Put this thing in a fast forward. And like I said, they're at least a year away from where I thought they were going to be. And now they're kind of working on house money. It's an it's an awesome situation. So it's an easy one for me to lay out. I don't have to make too many decisions. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't stop from opening up more cap space. I wouldn't look at the 75 and say, man, we're good. Let's not even touch anything. Let's just bring some guys back, kind of roll into 2024 like we did 2023. To me, that's bad news. All right. Shake things up a little bit. Do it. Don't get comfortable. Don't get complacent. Shake things up a little bit. Maybe that's the running back core. All right. Singletary had a career year. I think you can do better there. I really do. I think you can get, you can get more dynamic at that position, which will help Stroud even more, especially when teams start, start to figure him out. All right, There's a whole year of tape on him. You know how this shit works. Get a more dynamic playmaker at that position. And then go and then go. This division should be theirs to have. It really should, outside of what Jacksonville can do this year. But um, man, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Trevor Lawrence, something in Tennessee, Russell Wilson, maybe. I don't know. But not a terrible watch division. All right. These games are going to be pretty fun. And uh, like I said, a big year for Houston leads into a fun off season for the Texans. All right, there's your four losers from the divisional weekend. We'll, uh, we'll touch on the winners and where they're headed and, and what it looks like for them at least next weekend. Uh, who's got some money to play for? Who's got some money to play for in March if they finish out, you know, cap off a huge year? There's certainly plenty of that living in the San Francisco's of the world and teams like that and Baltimore, of course. But um, big-time teams finding themselves in the AFC championship game. And certainly Detroit is the Cinderella story to watch. Down the stretch. We will discuss that in the next episode of the Spot Track Podcast for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.